0: Uh, Throughout the month, we're going to look at experiencing God through deliverance today, valleys, victories, and mountaintops. Not necessarily in that order, but those are the things we're going to look at this month. As We all go through these times in our lives where we're being delivered from something. We go through mountaintops, which are the good times. We go through valleys, which are the not-so-good times. And hopefully we even have opportunities and moments in life where we go through some victories. And so that's where this series is coming from. But today we're going to look at how, how different people were able to experience God through all of these different areas of life, especially through deliverance. We're going to start off the series that way. And as I was studying for this message, I kept thinking back. There was an old David Crowder song and the, the intro to the song. He sings out, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. I can't help but think of deliverance in a similar way. Everyone wants to be delivered from their sins, but nobody really wants to leave them alone. Everybody, maybe better yet, everybody wants to be baptized, but nobody wants to change. Maybe that's one we could say. You see, to really understand deliverance, you have to understand that when you are delivered from something, you don't go back. Let's take pizza, for example. It's one of my favorite fruits. If you call the Domino's guy and you order a large pizza, say with pepperoni and mushrooms on it and some extra cheese, the guy brings it to you and you pay for the pizza, it has been delivered successfully. Now I understand if they mess up your order, you can send back your delivery, but for the most part, once something is delivered, it does not go back to its place of origin. You can't undo a pizza. You can't unmelt the cheese. You can't take it has been delivered. It is done. It is yours. Hot, fresh, and under thirty minutes. Enjoy it. It can't go back to its place of origin. Now, maybe you're not a pizza lover, so let's talk about babies. You see where this is going? Listen, folks, after nine months, the baby is delivered, and there is no return on that delivery. All right? It just doesn't happen. The same goes for our spiritual deliverance. Once God has brought you out of the bondage of slavery to your sin, we shouldn't have a desire to go back to it, but we do. Time and time again, we do. My time in ministry has taught me something about deliverance. It's that everybody likes the idea of deliverance, but nobody really likes living the life of one who has been delivered. No one likes the accountability that it takes to live as one who has been delivered. You see, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to die to their old self. Nobody wants to stay delivered. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity we have to to look at your word about the concept of deliverance. And I thank you for examples of deliverance that you have throughout Scripture. And as we look at some of those today, I pray that you will open our hearts to your word, that when this is all said and done, we will respond to your word in a way that's honoring to you. I pray that you'll show us what it is as individuals that we need to be delivered from that you'll you'll show us if we have areas in our life that we need to continually be delivered from something help us to not desire to go back to that old self or to that old sin or to that old habit but help us to to accept the fact that you can deliver us and that we won't look back and long for what we've been delivered from it's in your son's name we pray amen go ahead and turn in your bibles to exodus chapter 14 uh, today I'm going to use the example of the Israelites, and, and I'm going to talk about their deliverance. Now you see, at this point, as you're turning to Exodus chapter 14, you need to understand the Israelites have experienced the ten plagues. They, they have witnessed the ten plagues upon the whole land that is Egypt, and, and they've been de- the, the plagues were delivered on Egypt and on Pharaoh, and finally Pharaoh tells Moses to leave and never return, and so as we get to Exodus 14, we pick up in their story at the crossing of the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihaharoth between Migdal and the sea. In front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. See, Pharaoh's going to think they're lost. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with the officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamped by the sea at Pi-haharoth in front of Belzephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the wilderness. I have to pause there for a second because they've just been delivered from 700 years of slavery. Not like bond servant slavery, but like cruel slavery, a slavery where even just about 80 years prior to this time in their lives, the Egyptians even killed all the firstborn males, all the babies, because they were too numerous. They watched these same Israelites have been protected from the plagues and had been delivered from slavery of Egypt. And this is what they say to Moses. This is really what they say to God. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness as free men. Wow. But we do the same thing. Thanks for forgiving me of my sins, but these people are my friends. I have to go and drink with them. It's just a social drink once a week. It's not a big deal. Thanks for forgiving me of my sins, but you know, it's really cheaper if we just move in together and live with each other. We're going to get married eventually anyways. What's the big deal? You know, the thing I've realized about Christians is is we like to really put it out and, and, and be ugly to people in our society who are dealing with things like homosexuality. That's a horrible, horrible sin. How can you do that? How can you live like that? But we don't have a problem living male and female with one another. We, we don't have that problem. We, we, we don't have a problem calling out the sins of our world, uh, things like abortion and how horrible it is. But yet we don't, on the other hand, step up And 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 offer to adopt those babies that would have been aborted. We don't we don't offer to go to a place like choose life and say, you know what, I want to set up something to help a young couple that's deciding to keep a baby. And and so for the next six months, I'll buy the diapers for that baby. We we won't do that, but we'll we'll curse them for for destroying a life that's yet to be born. And the reality is we're no different than the Israelites. Thanks for forgiving me for my sins, but you know, as soon as things get a little bit rough, we forget that the same God who delivered us from our slavery will be the same God that will protect us from the oncoming attacks of the enemy army. We forget, and, and when we forget, we resort to finding out the solution on our own. The Israelites were ready to surrender. They were like, just take us back, we go peacefully. But look at what Moses says to them, of verse 13. He said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord which he will work for you today. See, he will work that. That deliverance, God will work. We have to trust in him to work that deliverance. He will work that today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and his chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was this cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and their left. Of the, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the sea, in the midst of the sea. All Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, his horsemen, his whole army is following them. And in the morning watch, the Lord and the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Are you getting all this? Are you, you putting all this together in your mind? You see, when God delivers his people, he takes them all the way through. And the enemy of the Israelites realizes that the Lord fights for them. It dawned on me, I guess the ten plagues weren't enough proof to the Egyptians that God was fighting for and would fight for and deliver his people. It wasn't until they're in the middle of the Red Sea with walls of water on either side and the chariots are getting bogged down that they go, this wasn't such a good idea, Pharaoh. (laughs) Plenty of warning. And then the Lord says to Moses... "...stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen." So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course. When the morning appeared, and as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Listen, brothers and sisters, the reality is that the difficulties in our life are indicative of nothing. Israel went as God instructed them to the Red Sea. They, they were at that point in the will of God, maybe not really understanding all of it, but they were at the will of God. They were in the will of God. And sometimes it's hard for us to submit to the will of God, especially during a time of deliverance, because we, we look back. And sometimes we look back to that with fondness. Sometimes we look back to it with, I don't think I want to go there again. But just like the Israelites in that, that process of being delivered, they look back. Sometimes the the situations that we need to be delivered from are from our own creations, our own doing. And sometimes they're part of God's allowance and part of God's direction, like in the case of Job. But either way, God's providence in our difficulties should never cease to amaze us. The whole deliverance process with the Israelites, God was working his purpose on Pharaoh a ruler who claimed to be the rising and setting sun. I think it's only fitting that the creator of the rising and setting sun would eventually set on Pharaoh, if you will. And we reach a part in this story where Pharaoh thinks the Israelites are trapped. He thinks he's got them. And he gets word that they're headed toward the Red Sea. He knows they don't have any boats. He knows they don't have any way to cross. He thinks they're somewhat lost. They don't know where they're going. And he sees the opportunity for revenge. He decides to take it. And the Israelites see him coming and they begin to freak out. Ah, and we do the same thing. We get in over our heads with sin and we do the same thing. There was no need for them to freak out because the reality is this whole deliverance maybe wasn't necessarily for the Israelites. Think about this for a moment. At, at this moment in their history, they're actually just bystanders. W- what if the deliverance was used by God to accomplish his purpose of destroying what was Egypt because of what they stood for and what they worshiped and the things that they did. What if the deliverance was used by God to accomplish his purposes? What if your deliverance was used for God's purposes? Wait, it is. He delivered you from sin so that you could go and tell others about him. But hold on to that thought for a second. We're going to come to that in a minute. But even if God was doing this whole deliverance thing from Egypt for his own purpose, can't you see in this story that his purposes will benefit the Israelites as well. His purpose may have been to crush Pharaoh from the very beginning, but in doing so, he brought the Israelites out of slavery. He offered them a land that that was beyond anything they really could understand at that moment. And so, so even though it was for his purpose, his purpose benefited the Israelites as well. And the fact is that his purpose for delivering you will also benefit you as well. You see, no man stands alone when he stands for God. And no trial comes alone when we serve our God through that trial. Our lives are a part of a greater providence that is being worked out by God. The problem with deliverance is that most of us, most of the time, our own self-centeredness keeps us from seeing what God is doing through us and for us during that time. And so like the Israelites, we think we'd be better off in slavery to our masters of sin than to actually go through the process of deliverance because sometimes deliverance is painful. God has reasons for how he delivers us. He has reasons for how he delivered Israel. He knows what we are going to face. And he knew what the Israelites were going to face. He he wanted them to see his power. He knew that as they went from the Red Sea to the Promised Land, that they were going to face enemies. And right off the bat, he shows them his power. He knows what the Israelites were going to face. He wanted them to see his power. He showed them his power by removing a powerful enemy from them. I think he wanted to show them as well that their faithfulness to him would serve them well for coming battles. But most of all, he wanted them to trust him through all situations, no matter how hopeless they may seem. And I think that's what we can pull from experiencing God through deliverance. We can trust God through all situations, no matter how hopeless they may seem at that moment, no matter how out of control, out of our control that may seem, we can trust God through that situation. He wants us to trust him through all situations, no matter how overwhelming or insurmountable the odds may seem. You know, the whole deliverance process was to teach them and to prepare them for what was to come. If Israel hadn't been brought to the Red Sea, they would have missed out on witnessing kind of a double miracle. And that is they were delivered from slavery and then they witnessed Egypt being destroyed. Because when your whole army and your ruler are destroyed, there's not much left to what you have. Both things happen in one single act by our awesome God. What about what God has delivered you from? What was your deliverance like? Your sin has been abolished and your life has been restored, but it's not your life anymore. It's His. I have something else I want to share with you concerning how we can experience God through deliverance. And, and this is the story of the garrison demoniac. It's in Mark chapter 5, verses 2 through 20. And I, I love this story. It's actually one of my favorite stories about deliverance because I think it, it shows us a good example of how we should live once we've experienced God through deliverance. Um, and so Mark chapter 5, verses, verse 2 is where we're going to start. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. Rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told told it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. When this man, he finds himself delivered. And he wanted to go with Christ. He wanted to go with the Savior. That's gratitude. Christ saved him. Christ redeemed him, made him whole again. He had delivered him from the hand of the enemy. And this man cries out, let me follow you around the world. Where you go, I will go. But the Lord says, you go home and tell your friends what good things the Lord has done for you. And he started home. Scripture doesn't say what I'm about to share with you but I've got a very vivid imagination. And I would like, I read this and I imagine what it was like for this man as he began to walk home into his home village. Can you imagine how maybe as he approaches his house, his children would look out the window and dad's coming, shut the door, shut the door. The mother would cry, look out, fasten the windows, bolt the door in the house. Many times he very likely came home and abused his family with a spirit like that broke things and trashed the house, alarming the neighbors. They see him coming down the street and he, and he still, he comes and he gets to the door and he gently knocks. You don't hear a sound as he stands there. They don't know what to think. And at last, he sees his wife at the window and he says, Mary. And she thinks why he, he speaks as he did when I first married him. I don't know that his wife's name was Mary. It doesn't say. Like I said, this is kind of in my mind. She looks out and, John, is that you? I feel that's a good name for, <laughs> for a guy that, you know, has been totally redeemed. Uh, John, is that you? Yes, Mary, he replies, it's me. Don't be afraid anymore. I'm well now. I, I kind of, I see that in my mind, I see that, that wife open the door. She pulls back the, the bolts and, and looks at him. And sees the, the clearness in his eyes. And the first look is sufficient. And she, she's, I'm, I'm a romantic. She jumps in his arms. It's a big hug, like an airport scene, maybe. They haven't seen each other in a while. And she hugs him. She, and, and then she's like, whoa, how did all this happen? How, how are you standing here before me? And well, have a seat. I'm going to tell you how I got cured. And the kids are maybe hanging back because they're not real sure. Is this real or not? He says, you know, I was there in the tombs cutting myself and running about in my nakedness when Jesus of Nazareth came. Mary, did you ever hear of him? He's the most wonderful man. I've never seen a man like him. He just ran in and he told those devils to leave me and they left me. And he cured me. And I said to him, I want to follow you. Except he said, no, go home and tell you about it. Maybe the children at this point are beginning to gather around their dad and and maybe the older ones are running off to tell their friends, hey, Jesus has cleansed my father. He's normal again. Listen, I don't know how that looked, but I know this. We've got a mighty deliverer in Jesus Christ. And I don't care what affliction you have. I don't care what you struggle with. I don't care what you think may have a hold on your life. He will deliver you from it. The son of God who cast out those devils can and will deliver you from your sin. He can and will deliver you from your addictions. And once again, we see that God has a purpose and a plan when he delivers us. us. This man wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus said, no, go back to your home. Go back to your family. Go back to your village. You go back to your community and you tell them what the Lord has done in delivering you. And he returned to the Decapolis. By the way, that means ten cities. He returned to that area, and he told people about Jesus. You could probably, in my mind, stretch it out a little bit and say he was one of the first missionaries. He went to the very people that told Jesus to leave their region and told them about him. You see, his deliverance wasn't so much about Christ sending the legion of demons to the pigs and the pigs to their death as it was restoring that man to his right mind and having that man... Having the man that everyone knew to be crazy and possessed to now go and share what had happened to him. Listen, this guy didn't even share the gospel message. The Bible says he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. He didn't even get into what we know as the gospel. He just went into, Jesus changed my life because I once was a crazed lunatic. I'm sure he had scars all over his body. That, that helped tell his story. How about you? Are you ready to really experience God through deliverance? Are you tired of just pretending to follow God like the Israelites did? I think that's part of the problem. The Israelites were like, all right, Moses, we'll follow you because none of these plagues have fallen upon us. So we'll follow you. And then they got to a tight spot and they were like, whoa, it would have been better for us to just live out as slaves than to die out here. And then God really delivered them. And then it was like, whoa, are you ready? to really experience God through deliverance? Are you ready to begin to leave some of that garbage behind and stop pretending to follow God like the Israelites? Are you ready to accept accountability in your walk with the Lord? Are you ready to put your old self to death and truly live the life of someone that has been delivered from the bondage of sin? Are you ready to be more like the garrison man, willing to follow Jesus anywhere, or just to go back and tell your family and your friends what he's done for you? And live your life like someone who's experienced God through deliverance. If you're ready to do that, what are you waiting for? As we come to our response time today, won't you respond to God's word? It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been or where you're currently at. He will deliver you from the burden of sin. And when he delivers you, you can live with purpose once again. No longer a slave to the same things day in and day out, but free to be a reflection of him. Whatever your response is today... Don't go another day being a slave to sin. Will you stand and sing with us and and respond to God? Because if we don't start making those changes and walk away from that stuff for real, it's just going to follow us wherever we go. God is our refuge. He is our strength. And we can depend on that. Will you sing with us?